0: Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Political State Podcast from the Oklahoman. I'm Ben Felder here in the Oklahoman's podcast studio in our downtown newsroom. Joining me here is the Oklahoman's federal government reporter, Chris Castile. Chris, how are you? I'm doing fine, Ben. Thanks. Kind of a cloudy Thursday morning here. Hopefully we'll get some rain. We could definitely use it. Um our guest this week, joining us in the podcast studio, is Senator Jim Inhofe of Oklahoma. Senator, thanks so much for your time. Welcome.
1: Well, it's a little cooler today. Yesterday I was in the panhandle, and it was uh, – yesterday it was 112 degrees, and, yes. uh, and uh, today's a little nicer.
0: Yeah, there's no relief. I guess it's hot in Washington. It's hot here. It's, it's
1: just – It's, it's, a, it's just the same in hot, Washington. Yeah. Actually, yep. it's a little worse in Washington because uh, humidity yeah. is always a little higher there.
0: Yeah, maybe a little worse there in, in the swamp. Uh, well, Sarah, thanks so much for your time. Um, I want to dive into uh, several topics, but I, I guess we'll start with this one. You know, we are, seems like we're always in an election year now, just kind of the modern day of politics, but an election year for you or for your seat in, in 2020 next year. Um, what are your plans for next year? Are you, are you running for re election?
1: Well, if I were, I wouldn't tell you. Okay. <laughs> and the reason is I chair the uh, largest committee in the United States Senate. And uh, once you're an announced candidate, you, uh, you, you can't be as effective as you normally are. Hmm. And so people know that I have not made any plans to retire. And, uh, in fact, I'll tell you uh, uh, kind of a funny story. Last time I ran... They All they could say about me was, Inhofe, you're too old to be in the United States Senate. And my response was, when, my, when I'm too old to fly an airplane upside down, then I'm too old to be in the United States Senate. <laughs> well, just for your information, I went out last Sunday and flew my airplane upside down just to make sure I still could. Yeah, and you passed
0: the test, I assume. You're sitting here with us. I'm <laughs> here.
2: So you, had a, you had a pretty healthy fundraising quarter, so there are apparently some people who want you to run again. You've got, you've got uh, the cash reserves building up, so... You're at least poised to run if, if, if you are inclined to do so.
1: Yeah, I've, I lost once, and I didn't enjoy that very much.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you said you wouldn't be quite as effective um, in your position as chair. Uh, impact a little bit. What do you mean by that?
1: Oh, well, that means uh, right now I chair the committee on uh-huh. uh, the, uh, the uh, Senate Armed Services Committee, and it's, it is the largest committee. And it's the one with the largest budget, obviously. And, and so we are taking over right now from – leftovers of the last administration, the Obama administration, people don't like to admit it, but Obama was very honest about it. He allowed our military to drop down in some areas that I hope we have a chance to talk about. And uh, consequently, we're in a rebuilding mode right now. And uh, this last budget now is going to put us back to kind of where we were uh, 10 years before. And, uh, and to do that, we get into a lot of very controversial areas in terms of foreign policy things are happening in iran and all of that and uh and and sometimes a response will come out on something that anyone who's the chairman of a committee will say and they say, well you're just saying that because you're running for office mm-hmm. and uh, that's just not the case at all and i just hate to hate to lose uh, some level of effectiveness
0: yeah so when you talk, you're talking about wanting to kind of rebuild the military, are we talking about, you know, resources, manpower? I mean, kind of where did you see the danger of where we were?
1: Oh, I can be specific, in, in fact... Uh, during the, the, the period of time, uh, as we had our people come into the Senate Armed Services Committee and would give some of the uh, meetings we'd have were classified, closed to the public, some were open. But uh, in areas like our brigade, brigade combat teams, we got to the point to, uh, toward the tail end of the Obama administration where only 30% of our brigade combat teams uh, could, could work. Because we, we couldn't maintain them. There are F 18s, our F 18s that the Marines were uh, flying, uh, only uh, 40% of those could fly. Well, that should be at 80% because the main, we couldn't afford the maintenance. Uh, what he did to the budget, now I'll just give you the last five years, because people don't understand this. The, uh, the last five years of the Obama budget, that'd be uh, 2010 to 2015. Uh, During that time, using constant dollars, the presidential budget in 2010 would have been kind of what he inherited. That was $796 billion. Five years later, that was $582 billion. That's a reduction of 25%. We've never had a reduction period in in our defense budget because every president— and, and I've gone back and looked at this since uh, uh, World War II. The presidents, Democrats and Republicans, have always said the primary function of our government in the United States is to defend America. We're defending America. That's what we do. And uh, until this president uh, came in and he said no, and he was honest about it, uh, and he established something that's never been there before called parity. He said, in the United States, I want to make sure that while I'm president, that for every dollar you put into defense uh, system, you have to put a dollar into non-defense. And again, that hasn't happened before. Well, that put us in a situation where we allowed, we have two different types of enemies or competitors out there. You have China and Russia. They are the pure competitors that we have there are people that we are competing they have equipment some of their equipment is better than our equipment most people and i talk to groups of people primarily out of the state of oklahoma uh, and i say that, that they have uh, china might have better artillery than we have it's something nobody agrees with they say no we have the best of everything that used to be true and it is it became not true hypersonics is a good thing that i hate to use technical terms here but That's kind of the state of the art of where is our defense system going. Hypersonics is a a, um, a system that we're developing that moves and operates at more than five times the speed of sound. We were way ahead of China and Russia at the beginning of the Obama administration. During the Obama administration, those eight years, they passed us. That's a scary thing. Uh, we watch uh, China, for example, in the South China Seas, uh, they are building, they're, they're creating, building islands out there, uh, totally illegally, but they're doing it anyway. And in these islands, they are doing things underground as if they're preparing for World War III. And our, uh, you know, our allies, as well as our adversaries uh, in that part of the world, all know it. And it's not just there, Uh, it's all over the world. You look at uh, Djibouti in Northern uh, uh, Africa. Uh, They now have a very large place. I was there not long ago, and uh, they preclude people from flying over, which we did anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's underground in Djibouti, and it goes as far south in Africa as Tanzania. So China is all over the place. Now, Russia is a different type of a competitor out there. They're not doing it with the people. China and Ru- people are always saying, well, wait a minute, we spend more money on our defense than China and Russia put together. And that's because the largest single expenditure is what we refer to as end strength. That's people. We spend money. We want to make sure that we have good housing for our military. We want to, it's an all volunteer force. And uh, consequently, they don't do that. They're communist countries. All they do is they, they just issue the, the, the guns that say, go out and kill somebody. Well, the, so that did allow them to pass this up in those areas. It's, a, it's the most dangerous world we've ever had. I look at uh, countries and I see countries like North Korea, like Iran, that have uh, questionable leadership at the top. And I'm being charitable when I say that. So you don't know what they're going to do, but they have the capability of taking out an American city. That, you know, I look back at the days of the Cold War wistfully and thinking, Those are the days when we had two superpowers. We knew what they had. They knew what we had. And it was all predictable. It's not that way anymore.
2: Yeah. The president, this president seems determined to get everybody out of, all American troops out of Afghanistan. Is it time?
1: Well, I think a lot of that was rhetoric. Uh, He still said, the time is going to be con- condition based, and uh, what are the conditions? And when that comes, uh, we'll, we will. Re- he's already made reductions, and some areas he has, and some areas he has not. So I would uh, I I would respond by saying, Chris, it's going to continue to be condition based.
2: Where, where are the Where's the Pentagon uh, brass on this issue? I mean, do they, do they what What purpose do they see in still having uh, U.S. presence in Afghanistan? Well,
1: I think the, they will look at it and they can see where was the gathering place uh, before 9-11? And uh, has, uh, has that changed? And uh, uh, where are the, uh, uh, our enemies now? Because they weren't originally from there, but that is what we refer to as the gathering place. And uh, and they know that it's um, uh, it's the threats are still there. The Pentagon is essentially, in their view, the same as the president. uh, Obviously, this is a uh, our system in America is a is not run by the military, and uh, that's one of the systems that we have that's different than most other countries. And so, uh, it uh, the 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 personnel in the Pentagon that are the appointments of this president are appointments that have military background, and they have people in there who have a perspective. That the military has. So when we and the committee that I uh, chair, we have them coming into my committee to to, uh, have a hearing. And normally that'll last two hearings a week, three hours each hearing. So that's a lot of people coming in. They are the military. So we have the military and the Pentagon being very much almost the same thing. And then the, the administration, a very strong military a- administration. I will say this about our president. Uh, he is, before he makes any decision, I'm there with him on that. Uh, he comes to our committee. And just as an example, uh, when we uh, decided that the secretary of the Army would be the best secretary of, of the defense that we could have, uh, he called up and he said, who's your choice for the Secretary of Defense? And when I told him, the, the current Secretary of the Army, he said, well, I agree with that. So it's your call. That's who you want. That's how it happened. And uh, so best answer to your question is the military is to making these uh, decisions instead of outsiders who don't know that much about it, along with the talent that's uh, out there from years past.
2: I want uh, to switch to domestic issue uh, being off, often discussed uh, since the mass shootings in El Paso and uh, and uh, Dayton, and that's gun control. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you brought up 9-11. You and I were in uh, Washington after the Oklahoma City bombing and after 9-11, and what followed both of those uh, horrific um, attacks were, was legislation, anti-terrorism and, and effective uh, death penalty act, and, and then the Patriot Act, where the lawmakers were telling the U.S. citizens you might have to put up with some inconveniences, maybe, you know, some some minor infringements on your civil rights as we fight this, these acts of, uh, you know, fight these, these enemies. But there's a, and, and there was a, a lot of uh, support for doing that. Both of those bills wound up mm-hmm. passing overwhelmingly. P- Patriot Act became, you know, they let a lot of that expire. But I, I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is in the wake of all these shooting, these domestic, you know, what some people consider domestic terrorism, there hasn't been a rush to it, you know, bipartisan rush to pass legislation. to deal
1: Well, with there hasn't this. because you're in a political season right now, and you have 20 uh, very liberal uh, Democrats running for president. And uh, in my opinion, uh, none of the 20 are going to make it. But nonetheless, they all of this campaign is doing nothing but talking about how I can out liberal the next guy. And when you when you do that, you're uh, that's that. Is That's grabbing the scenes. So when we had the two major things take place last weekend, the first thing they all wanted to do was to blame that on our president. Now, I've never seen in the years that I've been in, in, uh, which a lot of people think is too many years, but I've been in for a long period of time, I've never seen a level of hatred for an individual as I see the hatred for a guy named Trump. Here's a guy, but you look at the, what his accomplishments are, and I carry a – in fact, you ought to give that and give me a copy of that. I may want to use that. Uh, when I, uh, I, I carry a thing about the 10 things that happened because of Trump that have not happened before. It starts right off with the best economy of my lifetime.
2: Well, this uh, this predates Trump in in terms of you know some of the shootings that have happened. I mean, uh, Sandy Hook was was during the Obama administration.
1: No, I know that. But during the Obama administration, do you ever remember they said this is Obama's fault? No, they didn't. Now they're saying all of a sudden, well, it's different. Now this is Trump's fault.
2: Well, I guess maybe what I'm saying is you know you had a, a single incident of a shoe bomber, and now everybody takes their shoes off to go through an airport line. But you've had just dozens of these mass shootings and there's there's you can't reach any kind of agreement on like on a background universal background check something because
1: uh, i i would have to disagree right. with that because right now there's more activity on a uh, uh, the red flag ap- effort and, and more activity on
2: What would you support? Would would you support the the house bill the universal background checks uh, or the red flag?
1: Well, the red flag is is it kind of leaves it up to the states in which I like that mm-hmm. idea because I, I anything that is is something that will sell and is good for California. And as a general rule, is not good for, for uh, Oklahoma. And I'd be glad to spend an hour to elaborate on that. But in Oklahoma, we could have a type of a thing where a judge would make that decision. But if it looks like a judge it just, uh, is against our Second Amendment rights, then this uh, legislature can change that. They can change it in Oklahoma while it isn't changed someplace else and uh, consequently if anyone tells you that they are for the red flag there is not a single uh, law out there but it's in development right now in fact you have several members who are saying we're just encouraging which one is that that's doing that Yeah, yeah yeah Uh, they're they're trying to encourage states uh, to do it and I joined that crowd I, I encourage states to do that also so let's wait till we come up with what we want what criteria we want to use but if someone has been convicted of a crime in the background or a violent crime yeah they shouldn't have uh, uh, shouldn't be able to buy guns have you looked at I think it's
2: uh, Timmy Manchin uh, bill on universal background checks um, have you have you taken a look at that? Do, do you have uh, any kind of sense of whether you could support Who, that? Who's bills? I believe it's Toomey and uh, Mansion. Senators Toomey and Mansion. Uh,
1: you know, that's in. I guess they're working on that in their committee. And I, I the answer is no. Okay. That you wouldn't support? No, I don't. I'm, uh, I'm not sure what they're doing. They're they're in
0: the middle of developing something right now. Okay, well, so without having specific legislation, but the, the concept of expanding background checks from where they oh, are. Oh yes, now, I, to, I would. Support you would that. support.
1: You would support. Well, that. that's what the red flag is, and it's also putting the judiciary in there to make sure, or to attempt to make sure that that's not an infringement on Second Amendment rights. And uh, I think depending on the product they come out with, the answer is yes. I wouldn't okay. support it. And so, there's legislation from the House that now is over
0: on the Senate side um, that would expand background checks. Is that something? Well, the you're House supporting? is different. Uh, the
1: House is run by the very liberal wing of the Democrat Party, and they're going to come out with uh, they they want to do away with uh, Second Amendment rights to start with. So, uh, I think it's very unlikely that I'd be supportive of something that came from the House. But I think uh, uh, there could very well be. Expansion of background uh, checks uh, that would end up the House may look at that saying, Well, it's better than nothing. And so, would you,
0: it's, I mean, would you support, the, I mean, the, right now the Senate's recess. I mean, is this something you feel like? the Senate should reconvene to, to discuss and debate and to vote well, on? it is is there an urgency right
1: now, right now to, to come back and, and, to, yeah. and to move on this? Which is happening right now. Uh, yeah, we're in recess, but uh, committees are meeting and they're putting things together. And uh, every day you write about it, uh, different approaches to it. A- and so I think the red flag is the best example to use. We don't know yet, mm-hmm. but the concept is good. The concept is saying that if uh, there are certain people who should not be able to uh, have um, uh, weaponry and obviously uh, if you throw the judiciary in there that's a good starting point and that's kind of where they are right now
0: yeah you know obviously the focus right now is on guns there's also a focus on on the president's rhetoric towards immigration now i mean you had already said that you feel like he's being unfairly criticized no, I don't want to ask you necessarily specifically if you you blame him for the shooting, because I don't think he would. You've kind of said no, that, of course not. I mean, but what about just his rhetoric towards immigration in general? I mean, can you, can you see? I mean, do you feel like he's crossed a line at all? Do you support what he said? I mean, you know, some pretty inflammatory things about you know the the danger and the risk that Im, that the immigrant community
1: poses on the you United know, States. Here, they here's were the, the problem last he week. Has. If he talks about, well, first of all, when you talk about a porous border. We have a porous border. We should not have a porous border. We never should have. You talk to people like Netanyahu, and he said, I don't understand America. Uh, How could the people be against that? Now, the effort there is not anything having to do with Mexicans, that it's those who are coming across the Mexican border. In fact he's been very outspoken saying it's the the criminal element it's the terrorist element they may be in the middle east it may be someplace else coming into this country but they are coming into this country they're coming in illegally so what is he doing he is saying that internationally they're not supposed to be able to do that because if you're using the legacy uh, using uh,
2: asylum,
1: okay on the well this say the asylum Violent. system um they're going to have to show that somehow they are their lives are in danger and, and all that. How do they do that? They get on the docket and they, they, plea, they plea their case to a, a, uh, to a court. Now, the problem is they do that. They're already over here. They disappear. They don't show up for a court date, and that's the way they come into the United States. And that's what the president is trying to stop. Now, I originally tried to do that with a law that said if you're getting ready for an asylum hearing, You have to do it. You have to make your proposal from the United States in Mexico. It can be a council. It can be an embassy. And then and then but you don't cross over and get into the United States until such time as you have your court date and they can see to it that you are going to be your court date. Well, that's very reasonable. The problem was there was a legal problem where part of that was not supported by our court system. So the president is now doing all he can do through an executive action, and we're passing legislation now that will keep people on the other side of the border and force anyone who's coming into the United States, keeping in mind these are not Mexicans, most of them. These are people from other countries. They can be from Central America, South America, the, the, the Middle East, or any place else. But Once they come to a free country, they should apply for asylum there. That's what they're supposed to do. Mexico is a free country. So these people should have applied for uh, asylum as they came into the the southern Mexican border before coming into this country. That's what he's trying to achieve. Now, that is not... uh, uh, Anything that he can say that can be interpreted by the media who hates him so much, uh, they're going to make it uh, try to make it look bad and make it look like it's something that he's uh, that the he, people uh, groups of people are finding offensive. But you, I mean, and you just presented, you know,
0: whether you agree with it or not, you just presented your policy position in a fair, in a pretty articulate way. I mean, and you're making your case and talking about the specifics of asylum. That's not what we necessarily get from the president. I mean, it's not a, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a, it's a, I don't think you have to put words in his mouth to say that some of his rhetoric has been pretty incinerate. I mean, when you talk about that we have an invasion of immigrants, I mean, that's not arguing about asylum practices. I mean, that's rallying up. I mean,
1: I mean, oh, that's, well, what about his, his rhetoric? At, okay. you know, it it's his like rhetoric. That. It's his style. Let me tell hey. you. This guy's getting things done. No one else can get done. And as I go, I just got back. I mentioned yesterday. I was in. I was in Enid. I was in Woodward. It's 112 degrees. I was talking to farmers, and in 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 just normal. What I refer to as real people, and they understand. And it's refreshing. The media doesn't like it. His rhetoric and and but. You know, I think the people do like it. And I think the people are tired of wishy-washy politicians who tell them what they want to hear and uh, and th- don't really stand for it. One thing everybody knows about this president is uh, those things he campaigned on, he met and he's following through. Why Why is the the, the why is the embassy moving to Jerusalem? Every president in my memory said they're going to do that and none of them ever do- uh, have done it. This guy made commitments and he's doing it. And the people and the press... They hate it, too. They don't like this idea. They hate this guy with a passion I've never seen anything like. Not you guys. Don't, don't play that game yep. with me. I'm talking about The New York Times, The Washington Post. They hate this president with a passion. And so they're going to take anything he says and try to paint it in terms. Look what happened only yesterday. The New, York, uh, the New York Times came out with a headline that the far left didn't like, and so by the time the second edition came, they changed it just to make him look bad. They thought, well, you're making the president look good. you got to change that, and so they did. They didn't wait to the next day to run it. They did it in the second edition of the New York Times. Senator That's what this guy's faced with.
2: Senator, one of, you, you talk about uh, the, the accomplishments and the things that he's, uh, Trump is trying to do. One of the things that, that he has... Committed to doing is doing something about drug prices, and I think there's bipartisan support mm-hmm. in Congress for for addressing the, the uh, just escalating costs of uh, drug prices. You're going to meet this morning with uh, Continental Resources CEO Harold Hamm about diabetes uh, insulin prices. Uh, he's he's put a lot of research money into it. I mean, what w- would you support? I mean, the president has talked about allowing imports, uh, in, f- allowing the U.S. to import drugs from uh, other countries, including Canada, where a lot of people go to buy insulin mm-hmm. because it's so expensive here. Is that something you would support? And what, what, or do you, what would you be yeah. on board with in terms of lowering drug prices, Is insulin? Pricing has become a crisis uh, for well, it so many has.
1: people, and, and you know it's it's funny, Chris, because uh, I had a lot of that not personally, but in my family, mm-hmm. and that's been one that I have been concerned about, and I've had conversations with Harold Hamm, and I'll have another one today on that. And he has he is put in into the Oklahoma University's uh, uh, program that deals with uh, ins- with the this subject matter several million dollars I think around 10 million dollars and anytime you get someone willing to do that that he is really uh, looking at this and wanting to effect a change to me that's something that always gets my attention because you have people willing to belly up and do something not just something that some uh, something feel good that happens to be out there So the answer is yes. It's a complicated issue for a couple of reasons. One is, it takes a lot of money to develop these different cures for different diseases. And we're doing things in America now we were not able to do uh, in, in the past. And, there, and for someone who goes out and expends a lot of money in research and development, uh, then that person should not be have someone walk in later and say, "Oh, this is a good idea. You spent several uh, ten billion dollars developing this, so I'm going to get rich on it." And so I, I think that's an unfair way to approach it. Well, that's one reason that we're that the approach that this individual is, I think, a good approach. He's going into a major university and saying, all right, we're taking into consideration all of the research and development that's gone into this, and we, should, we need to bring down the prices, and we're gonna bring them down. Now you have a lot of the pharmaceutical people who have gotten greedy and they've wanted to, uh, they they want to set up a system where people don't know just what their costs are and i don't i don't agree with that and so there's legislation that i do agree with and by the way i have to say that our other senator james langford is more prominent in this area because of his his background and knowledge of it but primarily his uh, committee assignments yeah, he's on finance. Of, of, of this uh-huh. uh, this issue so he's more prominent in the issue than i am but we agree uh, on that's where we're coming from. We want to bring the, the prices down, but we want to make sure that we don't uh, fall into the category of robbing someone from uh, what they have put into this to start with. And I think it should be uh, should enjoy the light of day, and people should know what they're paying for, and where the, what the profits are.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, Senator, we kind of come out, run out of our time. We really appreciate you spending some time here in the, in the studio to, to speak with us. Um, I do want to ask you one final question <laughs> as we wrap up here. Um, but governor Kevin Stitton is in his first year, his first term. Um, some of your staff members are, are part of his team. Um, what kind of relationship do you have with Oklahoma's, you know, new governor, and, and kind of how would you assess the job he's doing, you know? Well, After it's a,
1: appropriate because I was with him last night. Okay. <laughs> and uh, he is doing a great job. What he's doing, it's kind of like uh, the other Kevin who's new, Kevin Hearns. Uh, he came in with a background, of successful business background, and using a lot of the ideas, uh, and, and, and it's it's working. I think that the governor is doing a great job, and I encourage some of the people who have been with me in the past uh, Donnell is the one person you know, that's a very room. prominent name comes to mind and is doing a good job i've had the opportunity to spend time with him i think that he is looking at, at problems not not politically because he's not a really is not a political person he's an intelligent perf- uh, person he's motivated in the right way i've spent a lot of time with and i think he's i think he's doing a great job
0: yeah well, um, Senator, thanks again for your time. Good um, luck with things moving forward. And uh, I know you're not going to answer the question directly uh, here in the near future about whether you're running again. But I guess I'll just ask you how your flying upside down is going. And that'll, it's going that'll well. give us an I indication. You did a good job what by you're, Cindy. Yeah, okay. We'll check in on that here in a few months <laughs> and see if we can uh, r- read the wins on, on, on what you're thinking for 2020. But uh, Senator uh, Inhofe, uh, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Political State Podcast. I'm Ben Felder, along with Chris Castile. You can find this and every other episode on your favorite podcasting app also on the Oklahomans youtube channel once again thanks for joining us we'll see you again next week